Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 35 of the Spoiler Cast. I'm your host, Dan Zarzicki, and I'm joined here by Tristan Athern Hess. The Quack Experimental Podcast. Yes, this is actually the first time. So there's a couple of things going on here that are wrong. <laughs> the first <laughs> is that um, you'll notice um, that I didn't introduce our friend Patrick Knight. Uh, he just hasn't had a chance to, typically on our show, he hasn't had a chance to play uh, Fallout 4, and we definitely wanted to discuss it. It is a huge game. Uh, he's just been really busy with work. Which, good on him for having work. And yeah. Being gainfully employed. Good there job, there it is. Yay. No, we miss you. Yeah. Um, and we'll probably have him on for our next episode. I'm trying to coordinate a Star Wars The Force Awakens spoiler cast, and we talk because about some Star so Wars good. games. Yeah, it was cool. So I don't want to talk about that today. Um, it is, so it, hearing that, you should know that it is a little bit further out since when Fallout 4 came out. Um, so we're talking about this in the year 2016, right at the beginning of the year. So we'll probably talk a little bit about our little resolutions or um, things like that. Have we got anything for Christmas, stuff like that. Um, yep. Oh, so that, that, that leads me to my first point is what is the spoiler cast? So you might be listening to this since episode 35 and we have 34 other episodes. Well, the spoiler cast is your look at what we've been playing. Uh, and as the name implies, it's sort of a front to back look at the game's you know, totally spoiler filled. Um, so we're going to look at the storyline from front to back. We're going to look at, um, we're going to talk about the music, the art direction, gameplay, anything that kind of strikes our fancy sort of yeah, tidbits from going, the internet, things like that. Yeah, we're going deep into this one, guys. Mm-hmm. Now, we usually start this off with kind of what we've been playing, mm-hmm. news and stuff. So it's always at the end of the episode. The end, the end of, of the, the episode. episode. Uh, that we get to spoilers. Yes. Uh, we usually also have a music cut before we get into the meat of it. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who want to hear the first bit and avoid yep. spoilers, that's your cue. Yeah. And we'll, we'll try to – I know people want to hear about our thoughts on Fallout 4. So we'll probably keep the beginning section a little bit brief or as brief as we can. And only being two of us, it's, it'll probably happen. So yeah. Um, so I guess I'll kick it off with you, Tristan. What have you been playing, my friend? Uh, let's see. Fallout 4. Fallout 4. Fallout 4. <laughs> Uh, more Fallout 4. Uh, there was a brief period where I played Destiny while I was waiting for Fallout 4. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did pick up Xenoblade Chronicles X. I oh, played, great. I played maybe like 20 minutes of it. Mm-hmm. And then went right back to Fallout 4. Now, would you say that's a mark against Xenoblade Chronicles X's beginning or a mark towards Fallout 4? A mark towards Fallout 4. Mm-hmm. I basically, mainly just wanted to get started to take a look and sort of see kind of what it was about. And I get into it, and holy crap, it is deep. Yeah. Um, like, we're talking... We're talking like a tactics game. Like a Final Fantasy tactics game level of deep. Yep. And I'm just like, shit. I'm going to have to go read the manual and come back to this. Yeah, I, I saw some screenshots. I read a couple of reviews when the game came out, and I saw some screenshots for Xenoblade Chronicles X, and the HUD just looked... It was almost like you couldn't even see what was going on on the screen. There were just there were just graphs and charts and text and meters and maps. Yeah, and it does not kindly introduce you to everything early on. Yeah, it's like this is how you attack something. Yeah, run this way. Hooray, you run. <laughs> cool. Are you going to tell me what all these different menus and stats mean? No. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious, hopefully going forward, to hear what your thoughts on that. Because as we know, I, I didn't get to play much of it, but I really, really enjoyed my time with the first Xenoblade Chronicles. And this one just looked w- like it's too much of an undertaking right now. Yeah, it's uh, and it's supposedly like 
two and a half times bigger than Skyrim or something like Jesus. that. Jesus. <laughs> with, like, no loading breaks. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, oh, God. Yeah. It looks kind of pretty, though. For a Wii U game, it looks very pretty. Yeah. That's that. That's my watermark. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's cool. Um, I think I heard we talked a little bit before the show. Um, you had uh, received a Vita as well for. Yes, I picked up a Vita for uh, Black Friday. Nice, because it was super on sale. Mm-hmm. I also picked up Persona Four Golden, mm-hmm. uh, Rampa, and Persona Four Dancing All Night because I'm a consumer whore yeah. and just want to dress up my P4 waifu and. Adorable outfits and watch mm-hmm. her dance around. And Persona Four is one that I played, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, so that's a video that's going to be coming pretty quick. Uh, is Dan plays Persona Four? Yep. <laughs> um, Which should be so an interesting time for all. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's so Dan plays. We're hoping to make this a semi mm. thing. Like we hope to do more, but. Yeah. But the idea is that because Dan doesn't play video games, which is odd considering yeah. he's the spoiler cast. <laughs> I don't do it very uh, – I don't have a lot of time. Yeah. That we get him in and give him a chance to play some games or a game uh, series that he hasn't touched before. Yep. Something that will totally and completely alienate me. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> – yeah, that was, that was a ride. I, I still remember that. <laughs> You're being like <laughs> – That's for sure. So much text. I won't yes, soon it's forget. A story. I won't soon forget. <laughs> um, that's basically been it. So I've also been playing a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I can tell you is looming on the horizon is the Bloodborne DLC. Yeah, yeah. It sits there, squatting mm-hmm. like a foul Cthulhu on the horizon, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, "Oh, you son of a bitch! I'm gonna get to you." I got back and in you. I got back into watching some of the Game Grumps um, to help me fall asleep at night. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, they're playing through the expansion currently, and it's just it, mind-blown. Like, the, the, the intense difficulty is just... Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. And we, um, actually, we actually talked about Bloodborne in one of our previous spoiler casts. Yeah. Um, we may need to do a, a Bloodborne DLC video. Sure. If we can ever get us together again. Sure, sure. Um... Because I have the perfect opening in mind. There it is. I, I know exactly how that would go. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's basically been it. Yep. Um, we also, I also still want us to do our Resident Evil a thon. Yes, that would be fun. Um, <clears throat> have you been Have you been playing anything else? I know it hasn't been too, too, too long. I mean, it's been a little while. It's been about a month, month and a half, but it's been the holiday season. You've been busy at work and and things like that. So, Um, Uh, I've been playing mainly Fallout 4. Um, Actually, after the break, I'll take a look and see how long my saved games say I've been playing it for. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I think they lie, but there are (laughs) doubts. We'll, we'll have doubt. to find out. I'm sure mine isn't anywhere near as bad. Um, <laughs> I've, I've mainly touched the main quest, but anyway. Or I, I went through the main quest versus some a lot of the other side quests. But oh, I've, There's too much to do in that game, yeah. but we'll get to that. Yes. Um, as far as my end is for what I've been playing, uh, in the meantime, other than Fallout 4, which I do have a limited amount of time to spend on video games, and most of that time has been consumed by Fallout 4. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it first came out, it... it actively consumed my life um and it was what i was doing at all times 
Like, yep. even, I'd wake up in the morning and with 15 minutes before work would boot it up and play. Um, so it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. Uh, not an experience I've had in a while, <laughs> but, uh, other than that, I've, I've been doing my typical stuff, which is to say I've been kind of jumping around on steam, um, playing a couple like indie games, things like that. I, the one of note that I've, that I've dug into a little bit is undertale. Yes. That is definitely a game we should do an episode on. Uh, yeah. And have you played it? I've started it. I've started it um, as well. I'm not very far in, and I'm trying the true pacifist route, which, yep. which is probably what most people do, because um, <laughs> it's so en- enticing. Um, yeah, it is because it's it's different for one. Yeah, so so let's I guess let's quickly talk about Undertale. So I've been talking a little bit. So do you want to give a little rundown as to what Undertale is? It's a it's an RP retro styled RPG that very much borrows from the art style of Earthbound or Mother. It, bar- it borrows Street a lot from Earthbound, yeah. I mean, it, it borrows really... a crap ton. Yeah. Um, but it's also got these... I'm not sure what the best way to describe them is, but they've got these more active battle mechanics right. where enemies attack you with like movement patterns that you have to evade. Mm-hmm. So... I can't think of a really good analogy for kind of what they are. Um, yeah. It's really hard to explain um, without looking yeah. at it. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, you guys are listening to this on the internet. You can go on YouTube and look up anything for Undertale and see it. But basically, it's a it's, box at the bottom. Or, or most of you have played it because it's got a ridiculously huge fandom. Oh, does it? Oh, yeah. Oh. It, the fandom for Undertale is like... It's almost as big as my manhood. <laughs> Anyways. Hey, hey, I just put my pants on three legs at a time like everyone else. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but seriously, though, this game has a, re- a huge following. Man, I didn't know that. I, I thought I was unlocking potential in this, but apparently I'm just preaching. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I'm having a ton of fun with it. I'm, I'm doing the true pacifist route, which is you can actually play the entire game without killing any monsters. And the way you do that is there's a system where you can either attack an enemy or you can do what's called act. And when you act, every enemy in the game has different ways you can interact with them. Mm-hmm. So if it's a, it might be a misunderstood turnip or something. And and I just totally made that up, by the way. It's probably or not a even a real thing. jet plane, which I think is an actual enemy. Yeah. So it's a misunderstood turnip, for example. <laughs> and maybe it's really sad. So one of the actions you can do is you can cheer it up and then you can basically spare it as opposed to killing it. Um, it's a really cool approach to game design. Um, my friends will laugh. I, I like games that don't have a lot of focus on combat because I think it's interesting to explore other things, other opportunities. And this game's a perfect example of it. It gives you the ability to either kill or save, basically. Yep. Yep. That's like one of the questions to ask about any game coming out is how long until a box puzzle and can I beat the game without killing anything? Yep. Um, Undertale also has an amazing soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, I was blown away. So so like, far, I've, I've been yeah. blown away. Um, it, the soundtrack of that game is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, really important, though, and I'll let you know, is that full pacifist run mm-hmm. means not killing everything. It does not mean never using the fight command. Yep. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I actually plan on routing 
um, through pacifist on the site for some of the harder moments where it might be a little confusing. For example, the first battle um, against... <laughs> against, uh, was it, Flowey? No, before, after oh, no. that, where the first <laughs> boss fight, quote-unquote, where you just have to spare the boss like a million times, but it doesn't yep. seem like you're getting anywhere. I will say the spider boss is probably my favorite mechanic. I haven't gotten that far yet. And I would ah. wait. We should hold off. I, I said too much already. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be a good idea to do a spoiler cast on that. Hopefully we can get Pat in, on board and... Is it is it a is it a long game? I hope it's uh it's fairly long. Mm -hmm. uh, supposedly there is a crap ton of grinding you need to do later on. Even on the pacifist route. Yes. Especially on the pacifist route. Okay. Interesting. Um, what for gold? Yes. For moolah. Mm -hmm. For sweet sweet cash money. Interesting. Okay. For glorious glorious caps. That's the other thing about the true pacifist route for those at home that haven't played it is you don't get experience because you're not killing anything for experience. You only get money. Yep. So it's pretty it's interesting dynamic. So it's yeah, let's 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 revisit that. Let's keep playing and revisit that. That'd be a lot of fun. And that's that's something that's kind of palatable for me as well, and something that speaks to my my sort of gaming heart. Yeah, yeah that'd be a good one. <laughs> Harkening back to the days of Earthbound and the Super Nintendo RPGs. One of us should probably take it on themselves to do a full genocide route let me let me do that then because um it'll be faster <laughs> i'm assuming and will require less less thought uh the game actually changes drastically if you go full genocide oh really yeah because you kill certain characters and then they're not there oh right interesting <laughs> later on yeah it might, be um, a, might be a good idea okay Cool. All right. So that, well, that's what we've been playing. Uh, in terms of news, I, I was gonna—I was actually gonna use that as a perfect segue, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of saving or killing things, um, the awesome games done quick is in full effect as we speak. Yep. As we're recording this on Twitch, um, it's something. If you've been on the website before or heard me talking before, it's something I'm very passionate about. It is basically a week-long charity marathon um, held on Twitch.tv. Um, which, for those of you who don't know what that is, uh, is basically a, which I'm assuming most of you do, but if you don't, it's a gaming streaming service where you can watch people play video games. Yep, well, there's the, a... You, that YouTube yeah. is def desperately trying to emulate. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's dedicated to gaming and that sort of media stream, or streaming content at least, because I know people are doing things other than gaming on it now. Mm -hmm. um, but there's it's basically a charity where um, they raise money throughout the week, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They play or seven days in the week they stream it's actually longer i think it's nine days but whatever the point is they stream games and they speed run so they beat games as quickly as possible and then um while they're playing these games as quickly as possible people appreciate them and give them money and they have one in winter in january called awesome games done quick which is happening now and that goes to prevent cancer foundation and in the summer they have one called summer games done quick which goes towards uh, medicine sans frontiere which you might know better as Doctors Without Borders. People would give us money for playing video games. Yeah, right. Well, they're not giving them money. They're giving charity money. But I stand by what my statement. What's that? <laughs> I stand by what I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Greed. Um, so that's going on right now. And the reason I brought it up as a segue for saving and killing is there's a charity event every year where there's a donation war um, 
you know, to see who can pile more money towards saving or killing all the animals at the end of Super Metroid. <laughs> um, so keep a lookout on that on Twitch TV. It'll most likely always be the number one thing being watched, so it'll be easy to find. Yeah. Let's see here. Um, what other... I mean, the one big piece of news, mm-hmm. like, honestly, uh, there's something that happened, I think, today. Um, but the big piece of news is, of course, Hideo Kojima... Konami and that whole bag of worms. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't look too big into it. I know that Hideo Kojima started a new studio yep, with he is now the, the the veil has been taken away. Everything we thought had happened has in fact happened. Yeah. That he is now cut free of Konami. Mm-hmm. Uh he had to leave Metal Gear Solid behind. Yeah. Though I don't think he's too sad about that. Yeah. Um <laughs> He started his new company, and he has announced a partnership with Sony. Mm-hmm. And if you watch that video, Kojima's expression throughout the whole thing is basically, oh, you're, that's right, Konami, you had your chance, now you're fucked without me. Yep. And they are. Yeah. Let's face it. Yeah. Uh, Konami has, has let loose their golden goose and decided to shoot themselves in the foot repeatedly. Over the, these last, what, six months? Yeah, it's at least. Mm, at least. Um, yeah, if you guys have Kona- stock in Konami, I would recommend probably getting rid of it. <laughs> well, you never know, but 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 I hear you. It's a strong case to be made for that one um, with Kojima gone. What's the name of his studio again, the new one? Um, Do we know yet? Do we well, care? He had Kojima Studios West, which they closed down. Um Oh, God. What's the name of his new studio? Oh, my God. This is going to bug me because I know it. Um, That's okay. Don't worry about it. No, no big deal. Uh, right, because Kojima Productions is is gone now. Okay. Um, uh, and isn't the team made pretty pretty well of Konami employees? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, because... Or is it uh, just because they were part of Kojima Productions? It's part of Kojima. It's mainly people who were part of Kojima Productions, but I'm guessing they took, you know, probably the best people from Konami, mm-hmm. or at least the people that mm-hmm. Kojima works with best. And is there any sort of insight as to what game they're they have on their plate, or is that completely not known there at this, is, this time? There are hints, there are teases of it. Yeah, um, that's all very cerebral and vague. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could find some information on that on the internet right now. That's okay. But um, I think it's news enough that Hideo Kojima has officially cut out of the silence and told us what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, good for you, Hideo. Yep. Or Kojima-san. Yep. Here's, here's, Whatever. Hoping, here's hoping he and Guillermo del Toro can get back together. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, but that was like, that was like just utter fallout for like a year. Yep. Yeah, it was a long time. Um. Because I remember we looked at PT, and then shortly thereafter, like the next year, I think it was started going downhill. I could be wrong. Might get my dates off. Yeah. That's what I suspect. Anyway, great. Did you have any other news? Uh, the other thing was, I think it started today, 
because I believe that Oculus Rift is now taking pre-orders. Ooh. What was it yeah. doing before? Was it just like a special order or something? It was or? it was um basically it was backing it and people who were doing the development kits. Okay. So it was just development kits, but they're now I, I believe they are now taking pre-orders for the actual commercial product. Cool. <clears throat> so um what are they selling for? What how much how many um, bones? I, Again, I forget off the top of my head. I just got here from work, so... Ah, um, no excuses. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, do you have any ballpark idea of how much those things were? It's okay if you don't. I really, I, I think it's around... I think it's around, like, 100, 150. Oh, okay. Cool. So not, not too bad. Or they start in two days? I mm-hmm. honestly forget. Oh, That's okay. yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. They've announced pre-orders. The pre-orders begin on the sixth. Okay, cool. So in two days, yep. From from filming. Right from recording this. Cool. Nice. Do you have any other news? Ah, uh, no. Those are the big ones. Great. That's awesome. Uh, so then let's let's do this. Let's. I know at the beginning of the episode you promised everybody that we'd have a uh, music break. I'm okay to do that now, uh, just because we're fairly shortly into this podcast. Do you want to start with just a general review of Fallout um, without spoilers, or do you want to just jump right into the... Let's let's talk Fallout Sans spoilers. And just like general impressions, because i got to say, I'm really curious to hear your opinion. And the reason why is this. I remember (laughs) (laughs) coming to your... um, to your place uh, at one point when the game had first come out before I had even gotten my hands on it. I think it was the day it came out. And you were really frustrated, and I was shocked. Oh, you, my God. I, I, yeah. I, I remember getting all, uh, coming out all excited, and you, were, you had your face, and you go, oh, my God. And I'm like, it's better than you expected? And no, then, then you pissed me off. Then you went on a rant about how much you hated the game. So Dude, far, fucking fucking Corvega assembly plant. Yeah, which I had no problem with, but <laughs> when I got there, but like, I, w- I want to find out now that you've spent however uh, many hours, and we'll do an hour count in now. Obviously, you're you're clearly well as I was, or still am to a degree, addicted to it. Um, oh yeah. That doesn't necessarily correlate to it's the greatest thing you've ever played or anything. Or so I guess I just want to find out real quick. In general, sort mm-hmm. of. Since that day, how how has your opinion changed or stayed the same with Fallout 4? So, there are some... So, it's gotten better. There are some things that are still annoying. I mean, it's a big Bethesda game. Mm-hmm. So, right now, I've got a quest that I think is bugged out. Yep. And I'm like, God damn it. That's kind of an important quest. Mm-hmm. Um, which absolutely sucks. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Is it a main quest or a sub side quest? It's it's a side faction quest. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, okay. Well, we'll talk about that stuff later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, as for how I actually just booted it up. Let me save my game. Mm-hmm. All right. How far in to this thing? Yeah, am I, I, I think. And I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound. People are going to be like, "Whatever." Um, for me, it's a big deal. I, I think I honestly have over a day logged into this game, which is 
over 24 hours, which is pretty, for me, pretty unheard of. Yeah. Uh, so, this is what I mean when I say I'm, I hope this is wrong. Um, at the end of my save game, my current most recent save, it says 24 days, 19 hours, 44 minutes. <laughs> There's no way that can be right. You know, that's what I think, but then I have doubts. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's literally what it says at the end of my most recent save. Yeah, I think that ha- I think that correlates to in-game days. No, because it's definitely been more days than that. Because mm. I'm into April oh, of the next year. Do you leave it paused? Not really. I mean, I put my PS4 into rest mode, but... Hmm. I wonder if it keeps that time. Anyway, that seems a little crazy. I mean, that would be that would be the proof in the pudding right there if it was true, but it seems a little high. Yeah. Period. So, I don't think I have an accurate gauge of how long I've been playing, but that's what my saved game says. But 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 you're but you're nervous that it might be 24 days. I'm nervous that it might actually be 24. And, and that's all we need to that's all we need to know. Because <laughs> um, dear God, there is a lot to do in this game. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. the map itself is not super gigantic. Right. But it is packed. Yep. It is crammed with stuff. As opposed to somewhere like, say, um, uh, Skyrim, where you yep. have big tracts of wilderness between everything. With nothing, yeah. It's, it really is something at every corner with Fallout 4. Just like with Fallout 3 before it, yeah. Yep. Um, so then I don't want to talk too much more about the game without getting into spoilers, because I think that even there, getting into the maps, you probably want to talk about it a little bit. Um, but uh, just in general, your impressions on the game um, as a whole since then. Yeah, it it feels good, mm-hmm. but there are some things that I'm kind of like that I kind of miss, mm-hmm. like the fact that you only have four dialogue options. Yep, and you only get a brief glimpse into what those are yep um actually one of the first mods ever actually brought back the old dialogue system so you yep. can actually see exactly what you say oh that's awesome um but there are, are still only four options and i'm right. kind of like doesn't quite feel as robust yeah. right as as before um <laughs> i have mixed feelings about uh, so things don't deteriorate. Yep. Like weapon stuff don't deteriorate as you use them. Yep. Which I have mixed feelings about. On yep. the one hand, it's nice that I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, keeping my awesome weapon in working order. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it means that I have a lot more stuff I sell. Yep. Right now, I am swimming in caps. Yep. Like, I've got 23,000 caps, yeah. <laughs> 90 stim packs, uh, about 65 fusion cores, yeah, and a full suit of X01 power armor. Yeah. So you're good I'm to go. Nigh un- I'm nigh unkillable. Right. I've also got enough artillery to level basically anything. Nice. Um... So, yeah. I mean, there was a brief period there where I was like, oh, God, what happened to all my ammo? Um, mm-hmm. But that has passed. Yep. Awesome. So, 
Uh, I also kind of miss not having uh, multiple projectile types. Yep. But the new crafting system makes up for it. And that and the projectile stuff was in Fallout New Vegas, correct? Yeah. Um, and there is there is something to that uh, because most weapons have a mod where you can change out what type of ammunition they use. Right. Either to one that's crappier but more uh, plentiful. Right. Or to one that's better but rarer. Right. Um, I I will say the modding system is really nice. Um, I wish you had an option though where you could just disassemble a gun into its constituent parts. Right. Um, so because what you can do is say I've got a forty-four handgun, you know, basic one, mm-hmm. or, or say I have a special forty-four, forty-four handgun. And I find a forty-four handgun that has better parts in it. Yep. I can actually use those parts in my rare or legendary forty-four. Yep. What I have to do is I have to go into the new one, replace those parts with like just standard parts, mm-hmm. and then I can put those into my new gun right. or into my into my legendary gun. Mm-hmm. But I still have to build something. I can't just like disassemble my weapon and just take those parts. Right, I agree. And I, yeah, and I wish I wish that was an option. I just say this thing is this thing has parts I want. I just want to take it apart and use those mods. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't want to go too much further, just because it sounds like we're really getting into the meat of things. And I do want to talk about that too, um, as well as my thoughts on the game and move from there. There's a ton to talk about, so want to take a quick quick five yeah, and then a, come back with the after the audio break. Yeah, let's take a quick break and come on right. back. When we come back, we're going to discuss Fallout 4 and all of its wonderful, juicy spoilers. We're going meaty. <laughs> Why does the sea rush to shore? Don't they know it's the end of the world? Cause you. Yeah, and uh, we're going to be talking about Fallout Four, and <laughs> we're just gonna go. I've 
there's I can so probably much, go for a little while. So there's so much to talk about because there's so, too so, much to do in this game. Mm-hmm. So Fallout Four really is the spiritual successor to Fallout Three, which makes sense. Yep, it's the next game in the series. <clears throat> well, but numbering number system aside, it really is Fallout Three. Um, Taken to the part. next level. Yeah, changed. The storyline is on the it's on the same coast. Yeah. Well, so, and the uh, the Brotherhood of Steel, it's the same members of the Brotherhood from three. Yep. I uh, actually, someone actually posted a video on YouTube. I forget exactly who. Mm-hmm. But uh, Elder Maxon, who is the current mm-hmm. leader of the Brotherhood. Yep. Here in the Commonwealth. Yep. You actually meet him as a kid in Fallout yes. Three. Yes. Yep. In a little lamplight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so there's that. Um, and, of course, one of our favorite characters ever from Fallout 3 makes a reappearance, which leads into how I want the game to end. Who's this? Who else but the greatest, most American icon in the entire game? Oh, yeah. Liberty <laughs> Prime! Yeah. There's a lot of parallels to... Uh, Fallout 3 in this one. Um, this one takes place in Boston, um, as you, I'm sure. I mean, I hope if you're listening to this, I hope you've at least seen the video where we try and find Dan's house. Yeah. <clears throat> so we had a let. We had a. That's actually a good place to start, I think. So we talked about it a little bit before the break, but we did a first look together on the mm-hmm. game, and <clears throat> really it sort of tells the whole story in a sense. Like, graphically. Not the greatest looking game of all time, nope. but really does a really good job visually, and there's a lot to a lot of draw distance and a lot of impressive stuff in that regard. Yes. And uh, at least on PC, modders are doing their best to make mm-hmm. the game gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing. We we both play this, to my knowledge, on PS4. Yep. Okay. Yep. So <laughs> thus far, all talk of mods are PC only. We can talk about that a little bit too, but really, what what we saw when we did the first look was. The game was buggy. Yeah. I mean, we ran we ran into a literal bug that halted progress about what five minutes into the game. Yes, I uh, keep when I keep running into that bug too, even when I make a new character. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. So we ran into this weird bug where the game just locked up when you're trying to get out of the kind of the uh, the cryo chamber at the very beginning of the game, and I saw bugs throughout my play. Um, I had to restart the game a few times. I never had a lockup, but. Yeah. There were a few times where I just had to restart the game. Just something wasn't working right. Um, the, on the PS4, sometimes things got choppy. Frame rate issues. Uh, yes. Um, when So the big ones I've seen, uh, I saw one I saw one NPC just start mm-hmm. drifting forward, going through walls. Mm-hmm. It was really bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen the frame rate take an absolute dive. But yep. usually that's when a lot of shit starts happening at once. Yep. Um, especially once the Brotherhood shows up and their vertebrates start yep. entering the picture. Yep. Yep. And then the last one I've seen is, and this has been recent, um, is power armor kicking up a cloud of dust mm-hmm. that sits there. <laughs> like, I'm dragging this cloud of dust around me that's no longer animated. Mm-hmm. And Just floating. It's like You're like pig pen basically, of the wasteland. And yeah. I can't see the floor around, like, at my feet. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I found that getting out of and back into my power armor fixes it. It's so weird. There's a lot of weird bugs, and obviously lots of QA. I, would, I wouldn't wish this game QA on anybody in the world, but still a lot of bugs. Well, um, that will get patched it's out Bethesda. inevitably. It's Bethesda. They make yeah. huge worlds with a lot going on, and there's really no way you can troubleshoot or QA all of that. Right. So we end up with millions of people playing the game and exploring different options. Um, I actually just saw an article the other day that I haven't read completely, but of somebody who quite literally went through the whole game without killing anybody. Yeah, I saw that as well. And he had to basically break the game to do it. Yeah. Um, But just all these different ways people want to play. Inevitably, when you have an open world game like this, things like this are going to happen because people want to play it the way they want to play it. So... It sounds like you've started multiple characters. I, given my time with the game, was really only to use only able to use one character. I, I quickly respect him, so I, I started the game and then quickly restarted it with a new character build, and I sort of put more focus on my character than I did when I started. Well, um, one nice thing, though, that you don't really have to respect, mm-hmm. because this is the, I think it's the first Fallout game without a level limit. Mm-hmm. So you can literally get to the point where you have maxed out every trait and every perk. Right. Right. Um, I, well, okay, I lied. There is there is a level limit. It's, I think, like 6,300-something. <laughs> because once you hit that level, the game crashes. <laughs> how, how did we find out? Uh, someone, someone early on created a mod that was basically just a quest that gave a crap ton of XP. And then immediately uh, okay. started the quest over again. So every yep. time you complete it, would start the quest again. Um, yep. And just did that just early on to see what's the level limit. Yeah. And they kept going and going and going. And they're like, so at level like 267, you have enough points to max out everything. Yeah. At level 6,532, <laughs> or it's it's some, it's definitely over 6,000. Um. <laughs> but it's, it's some ridiculous number like that. The game just can't calculate how much XP is needed for your next level. Yeah. And just instantly crashes. Interesting. Um, but what that means is that there's hope. So that even if you screwed up, you can just farm XP enough Yeah. that eventually you can <clears throat> fix it. Right. And, and they've really taking a, a stripped down approach to game design and challenge mm-hmm. and how you build your character is much, much less rigid than it was in previous ones. It's less of a role kind of a scenario. Well, not really a role, but you know, it's, I, so I, I played, I played a sniper class. So my guy was, he was like sort of like a smart sniper dad. <laughs> so he had a, a 10 perception um, and by the way, with my perception the way it was, I never really ran into the problem you had, um, save for a couple of rad roaches. And, and what I mean by that problem is I was able to usually locate enemies within radar, with radar, with 10 perception. At least if I snuck around and they made some noise, I was able to, to track them pretty easily. And I never really had an issue getting uh, ambushed I've mainly in the noticed the issue happening um, that it's based on when things become hostile to you. Okay. So, like, so, for example, what I would normally find is, you know, I'll be walking along and all of a sudden 
I'd be hit by this, you know, feral ghoul who then shows up after he's gotten yep. a hit in. Yep. Because for some reason he doesn't trigger as hostile until he's right on my ass and punching my the back of my skull in. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I never noticed that in my playtime, but I obviously have less time than you do with the game from what we've talked about. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> that's the character I spec. So very science-driven, very sniper-driven. So high perception, I was sniping enemies from far off, you know, and, you know, hacking computers and able to boost stats and things like that. That's sort of the build I played. And I dabbled within other classes. So I quickly want to just go over, like, just all of the differences. When when you look at a game like Fallout 3 or even Fallout New Vegas that make this game such a more, for me, and I know we, we talked about this a bit before the break, much more of a palatable experience for a more casual gamer like myself, mm-hmm. like um, who just likes to not have to think about, excuse me, the sort of the numbers behind creating a character. I'm, I'm more interested in living the, sort of living this fantasy and this fantastic story through the eyes of the character and playing the quests and learning about the world than I am about number crunching and that element of it. And, and for me, this game was the perfect solution. Everything about it is the right answer for a player like me. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's right, <laughs> but what I'm saying is for me, the way they tackled radiation where it cuts into your bar made radiation something that mattered to me in this game and it was something uh, that I so, you know not another so I have the exact opposite yeah <laughs> and having guns that don't you know lose their their the gusto over time that you don't have to keep you don't have to repair in any way shape or form and having um, a much simpler perk system and allowing you to like you said, sort of start respecting your character even earlier on in the game to say, okay, well, maybe I need more strength, so I'm just going to build up my strength now mm-hmm. by adding points to strength when I level up. Um, and making it less arbitrary, like, oh, I just sprinted a whole bunch, so now my agility is higher. It's, I'm already kind of a sprinter, and now I have these perks open to me. Mm-hmm. And right from the get-go, if I'm a guy who is a science nerd, I should be able to hack the world zanius computers or, or whatever it is. Um, and they do limit that stuff to a degree by requiring that you're a certain level before you can access, you know, master level skills. But in general, I like that approach to game design. And now I'm curious to hear what you thought about it. Okay. So the character I spec was pretty much the character I always spec in Fallout games, mm-hmm. um, which is decent perception Good intelligence, uh, good agility. Mm-hmm. Ba- try and balance it all around. Because yep. you know you don't want to have any stat too low. Because mm-hmm. uh, the Fallout games are notorious for penalizing you if you play as an idiot. Yep. Literally, if you play with low intelligence, huge portions of the game are just cut off to you. At least yep. that was the case in like 2 and 3 in New Vegas. Um, yep. But I typically play with low luck. Mm-hmm. Which, I kind of like the idea of someone who has to get by on what they are, and it's just horrendously unlucky. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's one thing, so I, I definitely dislike what they do with radiation in this. Yes. Um, because what they, the upside... What, but, Basically, the total effect of having 
your radiation level decreased, your max health does. Because yep. it means you just simply don't bother with any health items that have radiation attached to them. Right. Is what it no, comes, I agree. Is what it comes down to. Like yep. if I don't if I only drink purified water and use stim packs, then I never have to worry about my radiation level unless I've been traipsing through the glowing sea. Right. Whereas in previous games, it was sort of a trade-off. It was, well, I, I'm really low on health. I could eat this right now. Yep. But that'll push me closer to getting radiation sickness. Right. Screw it, I want some sugar bombs. Um, right. And, like, you could maintain... A higher radiation level. Like you, you could maintain radiation sickness, but it would just over time just decrease your stats as you got mm-hmm. sicker. Right. Um, which would then in turn, of course, affect your max health because it would affect your endurance. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just a straight, nope, now you have less maximum health. Which, it's it's a simplification of a system that I felt was worked well before. Yeah. And had did not have the upshot that it meant to have. Right. Um, the issue I had with radiation in Fallout 3 was that it never seemed challenging enough. Like, it never seemed like a problem. Unless unless I walked into a, ca- a cavern that had so much radiation in it that was intended for you not to enter. Right. Radiation never really served any purpose to me. And it was super easy once I got radiation sickness. Again, this is to my knowledge. I haven't played the game in a few years. But it was super easy for me to just use a Rataway or whatever. Right. And... It was basically like a, a non-existent system. So, so then to yeah. you, does a hap- does a happy medium to you then sound like keeping the system the way it was in Fallout Three, and maybe just making it the radiation bar either smaller or you know like less tolerant. You're less tolerant to radiation in I general. Would, I would do it as less tolerant personally. Okay. That yeah. I would do it the same way you have it in Three, but I would have it affect you much faster. Right. Or okay. have it be more constant. Like, have right. it be that you're almost always, 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 always at exposure mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Which I think would actually be a good, a good That's cool. enhancement because then think about it. That kind of explains, you know, people decaying and not being as healthy as normal is that you're always exposed to some level of radiation. Mm-hmm. And then you also have another resource you have to manage or spend your caps on. Right. Which is the problem I have. But again, this is not... Yeah who's right and wrong it's who's what, what sort of experience you're looking for i suppose and i liked the health because i found myself in every situation even crossing the charles river where you know i jump in the water and knew that this was a bad idea <laughs> like like <laughs> like i i'm in here and when i come out i could get mauled by a death claw and he'll kill me in one hit now because i have half the health i used to have um it also made for a very harrowing experience um, when I was in the glowing sea, uh, trying to get to the, the cave. The glowing sea for me was not an issue. You want to know why? Yeah. I made a suit of leaded power armor. Oh, nice. Yeah. I just so I've got like how many suits do I have now? I've got like seven suits of power armor. Yeah. And I just have one that's just this is my lead line suit. Mm-hmm. That's what this is for. Yeah. <laughs> And so I was. That's great. So basically, throughout my entire trudge through yep. going see, I was at less than one rat exposure the whole time. Yep. Nice. I was like, well, 
I'm about halfway there. I guess I should suck down right away. A little better. Let's keep going. Yep. And you had the power armor, so you had the benefit of higher defense yeah. too. That's. I I was getting. I was getting massacred. That was the only time in the game where I really had to level a little bit. Like, I actually had to stop playing the main quest. Because I played straight through the main quest. So it was the only time where I... Um, where I had to actually take a step back and play some of the, the side quests. Mm -hmm. Which I'm glad I did. Because yeah. they're great. Um, or good. <laughs> as they were before. And then come back to the... Come back to the main quest. Yeah, I will say... I. The last huge chunk of the game, I've basically playing been playing the game entirely in power armor. Mm -hmm. Because I nice, have, you have because I have so many fusion cores and so many caps. Right. Um, it's just like why am I not doing this? Right. Is no there's no disadvantage. Right. Because right. I've got so much in the way of resources. Nice. Um, and the XO one suit looks super fucking badass. Uh, when you turn on the lamp and are, are playing it. Yeah. So, with the XO1 suit, when you turn on your headlamp, yep. it's not a side-mounted headlamp. It comes from the eyes. Oh, nice. So, the color you make your headlamp on your modded uh, XO1 helmet is the color yep. of your eyes glow. That's sick. It looks so sick. <laughs> That's great. Um, I need to... What I want to do next is... Now that the pressure's kind of off to get as far as I can before we do this, um, is I still need to find a few bobbleheads. I found all the special mm -hmm. ones and a ton of the others. Um, I want to find the rest of the bobbleheads, and there are some magazines. I think they're the Hot Rodders magazines that okay. unlock new paint schemes for your armor. Yeah, that that makes sense. The um the the junk whatever they're called. Yeah. Oh no! Not Tales of Junktown Jerky Vendor. No, the um, what are those people that are out east that have the little club? Oh, the greasers. I haven't found those is guys that... yet. Oh, there's someone I need, there's <laughs> someone I need to find. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's a bunch of greasers that have all kinds of custom paint jobs. There you go then. Um. So that I can there's start something paint... cats. Yeah. So I built. I made sure to build sort of an Iron Man situation. So I've yep. got a building with just filled with power armor stations at each of my suits of power armor on display with my X01 nice. right smack in the middle. So I'm going to be like, That's sick. this is suit one, this is two, this is three, yep. this is four. Yeah, I never got very far with power armor. In fact, I played almost the entire game without it. Oh my god, there's so um, much power armor just all over the place. Oh, I have, I have, I have a suit, <laughs> I just don't use it. I kind of wanted to just play the experience as the character and... That's sort of how I ran with it, but um, that's one thing I want to talk about. So, one of the one of the major additions, quote unquote, to the game, and I say that because it's sort of like a, a nice thing, and actually, interesting interestingly enough, becomes required uh, closer to the end of the game, I think, unless you can prove me wrong, is the new construction element, yes, or the build the building the sanctuary. Well, not just sanctuary, but building crap tons of settlements and and, and all the other settlements yeah, yeah and I, I never i never really veered too far out of sanctuary myself i saved the one to the east so, and got some quests i saved the you know the water treatment mm -hmm. plant and a couple others, i have but. way too many settlements yeah like i probably have like 15 settlements or something like that now nice um i spent way too long building settlements yep because that is 
that is a time sink that yep. is very, very attractive. Yeah, I mean, I'm amazed too because it didn't. It was something that they had mentioned that briefly that I wasn't really keen on or didn't really know much about. And I remember I we went to the midnight release together, and I, you know, I, I so we, so just for the sake of the discussion, I we went to the midnight release in Providence, and I live I live in Boston, so it took me about an hour to get home. So I get home at probably one thirty in the morning, mm-hmm. one one thirty in the morning from this midnight release because we were filming on location. <laughs> and put this game in and right after the tutorial I say I'm going to go to bed well then I discover the sanctuary and I spent a good a good chunk of time that night that morning <laughs> um, lost just in the sanctuary you know this brand new game that came out all this this world you know just teeming with locations stuff to be discovered to and things to be and stuff to do and I'm sitting here building a house yeah. you know and scrapping materials and so first thing you have to do is clean up the yard you have to scrap all that mm-hmm. and then you have to build a house make sure dogmate has a has a dog house for himself yeah yep. actually if you build a dog house he always hangs out there yep i know i i learned that the hard way because dog was my companion for most of the game, and um, in fact, almost all of the game. Yep. And he, for just, and he's a terrible compa- companion, by the way. Oh God! Um, why? Why does he have? Like, why does he block movement? God damn it, dog! Get yeah, out he, of not the only doorway! Does, not only does he block movement, but he's just a very weak character. He's a dog. Yeah. He's a very weak character, but he's the loyal one from the beginning, and he can carry stuff for you. I mean, I think every character can. But. Yeah. He um, carries stuff for you. You can put like cute handkerchiefs on him. Yep. So I made, uh, so I got a dog meat plush with my limited edition uh, Fallout 4 loot mm-hmm. crate. Yep. I have, of course, made my dog meat look exactly like the plush. Uh, yep. So he's got welding goggles and the red yep. bandana. Um, nice. But the other thing is that dog meat has no perk. Yeah. Every other companion, once you reach maximum affinity with them, yep. gives you a perk. And some of them are super helpful. Oh yeah. my god! Well, the um, only perk, the only perk that dog had, and I never explored it, so you can maybe fill me in on what it does, is the lone wanderer perk. Actually, but I believe they patched this. But when the game came out, dog was not considered a partner. I believe they patched it. When when it came to um, that perk, so at the at least at the beginning release of the game, you could. Basically, have dog as your partner and get the benefits of, quote unquote, not having a partner, which is cool. Yeah, I, I think they've patched it. Sure. But um, I have. That's what I heard. I have reached maximum affinity with seven companions now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven companions, yep. and I'm almost there with McCready, and I'm almost there with Dan's. Jesus. Um. Who who who's your who's your main? Who's who's the the companion that you come back to? Right. Well, so I've honestly been changing them out. Right. I've been. That's how I've gotten maximum affinity with six of them. Um, I've successfully romanced all three waifus. Jeez. Um. Who are they in this? Uh, so the th- your three primary waifus are Kate, Piper, and Curie. Okay. Um. Have you met Curie? Uh, I have not, but I gather that Kiri is a robot. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
she's a. I, I know some of the history. I, I know some of the history of that. Yeah, there's like a vault where there's like a a virus or something that. So so Vault eighty one was designed mm-hmm. as a test vault for various uh, pathogens, mm-hmm. and the goal of making a group of humans who are basically immune to all disease, okay, or creating a blanket like antiviral antibacterial okay interesting um luckily what happened was that the overseer promptly said fuck that and locked away the other half of the vault Mm -hmm. so that they couldn't do anything and didn't tell anyone about it (laughs) that's great uh yeah but um curie out of all three, Curie is probably the, the cutest companion, but that may just be because of the French accent. <laughs> so I'm not quite sure. Um, yeah, but some of the perks are super, super important. Like the one for, for Preston, the mm-hmm. Miniman guy, mm-hmm. his total affinity perk is you if you're facing against three or more enemies, you get yep. plus 20 damage resistance and plus 20% damage. Oh, wow. Which is amazing. So, do you can you only access these total affinity perks when they're your partner, or are they? Once you get them, you have them. Oh wow! Uh, Piper's is you get double exp bonus for uh, finding new locations or for completing speech challenges. Okay. Uh, Kate's is if your health drops below twenty five percent, your action points refill much faster. Okay. Um, McCready's is you get plus 20% headshot accuracy in headshot accuracy in VATS. Okay. Uh, Dan's is you get plus 20% damage against super mutants, ghouls, and synths. Yep. Which is crazy. It's right. crazy. Uh, Curie's is once per day, in-game day, if you drop below uh, 10% HP, you immediately heal, heal 100 HP. Oh, wow. So it's like an emergency stim pack that's right. auto. Um, that's nuts. Yeah, crazy shit. Um, Nick Valentine's uh, gives you an extra um, an extra guess when hacking terminals, and reduces okay. their lockout time. Okay. Uh, what else? Well, that sounds like I mean enough to get started with. Holy hell! Yeah. Oh, uh, there's Deacon. Uh, his is you are you are harder, permanently harder to detect while sneaking, mm-hmm. and your sneak attacks with silenced weapons do extra damage. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, though my sniper rifle is so powerful by the end of the game that you know oh, sneak attacks. Good sir, good sir. I need to tell you about my two favorite weapons. Actually, sure. more like my four favorite weapons. Um. So first is Big Boy, which is a okay. fat man you can buy from Arturo in Diamond City. Yeah, it sounds familiar, yeah. It shoots it it's a fat man that shoots an additional projectile. Mm-hmm. Okay. It launches two mini nukes for okay. the price of one. Alright. And you can upgrade it to be an experimental MIRV. Merv. Right. So it shoots two Mervs at once. <laughs> oh Lord. It's awesome. Um, Overseer's Guardian, which can be purchased from uh, Vault 81. Okay. Um, 
It is a combat rifle that does double damage, or it, that that shoots an additional projectile as well. Okay. The projection, the additional projectile weapons are ridiculously overpowered. Right. And that's actually something I wanted to talk about too. Is like, it seemed to me that once you got, and, and this is typical of a lot of these, a lot of the Bethesda games I find is the games don't really scale well on one particular difficulty ever. Yeah. And I, f- I feel like this is this, and maybe this on purpose, but I felt like once I got to a certain point, it was sort of like at the beginning of the game, everything's insurmountable. Yeah. I, I come up to a super mutant and you know, I might as well just, you know, kill myself. Like it, it's over. And then, you know, five hours later, I've upgraded enough things and all of a sudden super mutants are just like cake. Yeah. They're blowing their heads off one shot at a time and, and, and it never gets difficult again. Um, I think this game did a better job than maybe some of the yes. others like Fallout 3. Uh, well, because you're not at the point yet where you're fighting super mutant behemoths. Right. Which I am. Right. Oh, I came across one accidentally. Yep. Or or have you run into the uh, raider in power armor with a fat man? I'm not sure. That thing fucked me over so bad. Um, I probably have not then. So, but Overseer's Guardian is super OP. I still use it because right. it one shots a lot of things. Right. Uh, the next, my last two are things that are, that I didn't buy, but that I found or slash mm-hmm. earned. Uh, one is my combat shotgun that I named Boomstick. Okay. I found this thing. And it was like a gleaming ray of light shone down from the heavens and illuminated (laughs) this patch of the wasteland while a chorus of heavenly angels could be heard on high. And I knew, I will name you Boomstick. (laughs) Because it's it's another one of those additional projectile weapons, but it's a combat shotgun. Right. Uh, This thing, as I am right now, does over 300 damage. (laughs) That's the same. Um, it does more damage than missile launchers. Yep. Like I can run up to something in power armor, and just yeah. and just blast away at it, and you just see pieces of power armor go flying off of these things, <laughs> off of these enemies. Um, when I fought Kellogg, yep, I used that on him. That fight was over in three shots. Wow. Yeah. That that fight gave me some trouble because you start fighting. You start the Kellogg fight right up in front of them. Right. So as soon as the talk ended, I went straight into Vats. Yep. And just one, two, three. Boom, 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 boom. And he was just down. Well, I'm, I'm glad you didn't have to actually fight him because he was a pain in the ass. Um, and then my fourth one is a very recent acquisition. Um, and I got and I got Boomstick. Oh, let me tell you the story. I got Boomstick by killing a legendary Deathclaw. Okay. When I was out of power armor. Oh, Lord. So, it was a hard fight, and then I found this thing. Um, My last one is a very recent acquisition, and I found it off of, I think, a a legendary super mutant warlord. Okay. And it is a uh, uh, Thos rifle. Yep. Uh, so, so its original title is a Mighty Goss Rifle. It is a Goss Rifle that has plus 25% extra damage. Okay. I've decided to name it Calamity. <laughs> nice. 
Uh, Throwback. Now, now that I've modded it, yep. it does over 550 damage a shot. <laughs> One shot from this thing brought a Mirelurk Queen down to half health. Wow. I am unstop an unstoppable force now. It's fantastic. Yeah. I uh, don't have any of those things. <laughs> yep. Well, I also I, only... I also went hard into riflemen because yep. I don't like using automatic weapons. Okay. Uh, because ammo is so precious. Yeah, so I actually did that. So I'm a rifleman too. So I I, I do all snipey 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 and I did I did the scrounger perk. Mhm. Like, as much as I could to get as much ammo. Because I was always out of 308 ammo. Yeah. For um, my sniper rifle. Yeah, get the uh, you can get the 50 caliber sniper rifle upgrade. Yeah. Which makes a big difference. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm still at 308 because I don't think I had the full um, gun tech required for that. But yep. So that was my big, that was my build, my build tree. My, my focus mm-hmm. on some level like 55 right now yep uh, my build tree was focusing on rifleman mm-hmm. action boy because more action points is always good yep uh, toughness yep because more defense no matter what is always good um, life giver because yep. extra HP and the ability to regenerate is very good but then apart from those everything I had went into lock picking hacking yep and uh armor slash gunsmith slash science so yeah so let's let's quickly i guess <laughs> we can veer to that so i actually disliked well i liked the idea of buying these perks with with your level point i found that far too often probably about 75 percent of the time and i think you just alluded to this i was sort of buying perks out of necessity versus versus out of like joy or fun or experimentation or anything else it was like well i could down i could buy these four things with my level or i could you know get the next level computer hack or the next level gun nut or the next level you know whatever the build the carp you know blacksmith was yep i'm working on blacksmith now um so my stance whenever i play these games is i Hate, hate. Come, if coming back to Harlan Ellison and um, I had a mouth on my scream. Hate, uh, <laughs> getting, to, going somewhere where I can't go or coming across something I can't open or can't hack. Right. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's partly why my usual build is good agility, good intelligence. Right. So I can have good lockpicking, good hacking. Yep. Um, so I can get in places. And then I really like the, the modding system. Yep. So that's why I put all my points into armor and gunsmith and science. Yep. Because I want to have access to these. And right. it has definitely paid off because I've been able to make all of my equipment ridiculously OP. It's, it's nice, but to me it also kind of like detracts from... I, I, I did the same thing you did where... I had to, it was, you know, blacksmith and gunsmith and science for, sorry, the terminal and lockpicking, but it was more because I needed to, I needed to use a lockpick or I needed to hack into a computer to get something done because my character wasn't a bruiser. So, and Ah. 
But here's the other thing, though, is that you have companions who can do those things for you. Yeah. So, for example, Nick can hack terminals for you. I know he can, yeah, because he, he, I think he's not required to be your partner, but is for a little bit. Yep. Uh, I think Piper can pick locks, too. So. By the way, I had a question on that. When you... When you did the quest with the memory den with Nick, did you have him, or maybe you have to, but did you have him patch in or put the chip in his head? Yes. And did you um, let him be a companion after that? And were there there any repercussions? Because it seemed like it was a dangerous thing to have him in your group. Um, I've had him in my party a little bit here and there, but by that point I had already maxed out his affinity. Okay. I'm talking about the fact that he like was like using Kellogg's voice and yeah, uh, yeah I've not you... run into any ramifications with that. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, Nick is probably one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he 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 actually is probably my favorite new yeah. character because he's is that fun? He's like sort of like a a sleuth, but some, something from well, like he, a he, old noir tale. Yeah, he is a just flat out noir esque private detective. Yeah, and but I also like that he that he's a synth who knows he's a synth and doesn't try to hide it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind yep. of a, he's a very straightforward, like you know, he is what he is, and he doesn't try to be anything else. Yeah, and I think that's fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah, Nick is probably my favorite companion. Yeah. Deacon probably comes a close second. Yep. Uh, because he's he's witty and and smart, and he is constantly changing his appearance. <laughs> Deacon is always changing appearance. Like sometimes he'll be bald, sometimes he'll have a pompadour, sometimes he'll, yep. which is such a nice little touch. Right. Um. I, that, I, that I absolutely love. Um. I I think getting into that. Maybe we veer into story territory. Well, let's before talk... we go before we go big story. What have been your favorite side quests thus far? Oh lord, I haven't played a lot of them, so I did mostly main quests. Um, I'm trying to think of some that I remember. Um, I can tell you, me- I can tell you what my two favorite side quests are. Awesome. Uh, Let me tell you the one that stuck in my head. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it's my favorite, but the one that stuck in my head, and then we can go from there. So one of the sticks in my head as just being really diverse and interesting and different and kind of goofy and had a lot of fun little places to explore was the um, the dig. Which one is that? The dig is the one where uh, with Bobby something or other, the the um, the ghoul. Oh, right. We are breaking into the Diamond City from, why can't I think of the name of the other place? Wow. What's the name of the other town where the CD people live? Good Neighbor? Good Neighbor, thank you. Yep. Um, sneaking in from Good Neighbor, and I thought I had a lot of variety. It was tough. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of, like, exp- exp- you know, areas you didn't have to find, and just kind of interesting choices and decisions to make with repercussions. Yeah. Um, there are a bunch of companion quests that are particularly memorable. Um, I think the fight to retake the castle definitely stands out. I don't think I've... The- on that one. Oh, that's I, haven't done, first... I haven't done almost any of them, but you can go ahead and spoil away. Um, so when you so you get there with the help 
Like you've got all the gunners on your, uh, not all the gunners, sorry, all the minutemen on your side. Yep. You're fighting for your ticket, and for me, it was the first time I encountered a Meyer Lord Queen. Oh yes. And so you're fighting in the ruins of this fort in this circular thing, and you're going up and down levels and like ducking in and out of buildings, fighting this huge pissed off lobster matriarch. You know. Yeah. Um, that was a good one, but my two absolute favorite are two kind of weird ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is the USS Constitution. Okay. Um, and the second one has to be the Silver Shroud missions. Okay. Have you done either of those? I have not, but I'm familiar with both. I, I okay. think I've got the... I know the USS Constitution is a ship that's like sort of up on top of a building. Yep. It is crewed entirely by robots. Okay. Um, including a sentry bot. Okay. Wearing an admiral's cap. <laughs> and speaking in a British accent. That's great. Because he is the captain of the Constitution. That's awesome. Um, a bosun, the bosun who has no limbs. <laughs> He's a Mr. Handy with all the limbs taken off. <laughs> um, who again speaks in a British accent. Um, who, But a more cockneyed one. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm... Um, if you could please fix the power relays, I would. But on account of me not having any arms, I cannot. <laughs> um, there's a the first mate is a protectron, who okay. thinks anyone who isn't a robot is a hostile invader. Okay. And the captain has to keep reminding him. And dear <laughs> God, use the accent. <laughs> um. And what you do is you help them rebuild the constitution. I mean, you can also just, you know, screw off and not do it. Um, And once you've gotten it rebuilt, they take off to sort of, you know, go on their next big adventure and leave and go back onto the seas and whatnot in their flying, you know, ancient warship, complete, you know, complete with friction cannons and all. And they go off and they fly off into the distance and immediately (laughs) crash into a skyscraper. And it's just like, oh! <laughs> oh. And then the Silver Shroud missions are... Um, so you start off by meeting the school in the memory den. Okay. He's off to the side. Um, who is obsessed with this old action, comic book uh, radio drama action hero, the Silver Shroud. Okay. Who you remember. Yeah. Because you were alive, which we'll get to with with the storyline mission from your day. Uh, and the first part of the mission has you going into Hubris Comics mm-hmm. and getting the replica costume and hat and gun that they were going to use for the movie. Okay. And bringing them back to him. And he's like, and he's like, and he's in, the reason he wants to do this is he wants to clean up Good Neighbor. Okay. Like, he's like, this. Good neighbor needs someone to clean up the grime and the crime and the dirt and the you know scumbags. Mm-hmm. It needs the shroud. <laughs> but I'm a ghoul and I'm honestly not the right person for it. But you, you are. Right. <laughs> and so you can choose to, if you fall, take him up on this. You don the silver shroud costume, and patrol good neighbor. That's awesome. And and basically work your way up the. Um, Good neighbor organized crime food chain. Yep. While dressed as the silver shroud, wielding his weapon, leaving his calling card. 
But the best part of all of this is that whenever you are pursuing these missions while in the costume, you get an option to speak as the Shroud. Okay. So you start saying, Peddling your poison to children? This shall not stand. <laughs> now you face the wrath of the Silver Shroud. And of course, everyone you talk to is just like, fuck's wrong with you? Look, I'll give you 50 caps if you piss off. The Silver <laughs> Shroud does not take bribes. <laughs> Got him down. Um, the best part is you eventually, um, part of the quest line is you talk to, um, oh, um, the ghoul mayor of Good Neighbor. Yo, um, Hancock. Hancock. Who can eventually join your party as a companion? Yeah, um, and he loves it. Yeah, like if you do everything as a shroud, he adores it. You, um, he's like, listen, I appreciate what you're doing, and it's one costume freak to another. Keep up the good work. <laughs> um, if you keep talking to the shroud, he's like, okay, don't go changing. You're priceless. That's great, kid. You're priceless. Don't change. Uh, the last, like, last thing is he says, what do you do is. I'm going to miss these little chats of ours. Yeah. Um, I only, I only broke character once (laughs) while doing those. Um, And it's, it's so satisfying because it's so like hackneyed and over the top. And the one time I broke character was at the very end, the ghoul who's been helping you has been kidnapped and he's Mm -hmm. being used as bait to draw Mm -hmm. you into this trap. Yep. And so you walk in and he's there and, like, the head honcho's there, and he's got all of his, like, goons around. Yep. And you have an option to intimidate the goons. And the, so the one time I wrote character was to do that, and your and your character just goes, every single person has, who has pulled a gun on me has died. Every <laughs> single one. <laughs> and I pulled it off. Because uh, it's it's a red difficulty uh, oh, wow. test, and all of his goons just go, you know, you can't do anything bad to us if he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just uh, we'll just we'll just uh, leave. <laughs> and then he's like, and of course, he's all like, ah, you bastards! Fine, I'll just kill him. And that's when you leave, you leave speech and go straight into combat. And so then I immediately went into Vats yep. and one shot. One hit killed with a headshot. Yeah. The big bad. Before he could get off a single shot. That's awesome. It drops. Poof. It was like, yeah, that's right. Everyone who draws a gun on me dies. And the goons are still hanging around afterwards. Because they don't, they don't really leave, but they're no longer hostile. Yep. And I was like, I knew the Silver Shroud was real. I'm not swear I'll not do anything bad, but they still come up with like raiders. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's hilarious. One thing I definitely want to talk about on that note before we kind of move to the story, and that'll probably do it after the story, is the dialogue options. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you had mentioned it briefly before the break. We were talking about your impressions, and I agree with you. Um, they they made a big change with this over Fallout Three, Fallout Three, like you said, where you only have four dialogue options at any one point in time and you only more, get a vague a yeah. glimpse into what they're going to be alarmingly so um i've always hated that always i've mm-hmm. never liked that in any game no game's ever pulled it off because you're playing this game as a character 
And to me, when you select something, two things happen when he says something different. One, it just doesn't, it kind of take, just takes you out of the character in general because you selected yes and he says some entire sentence. It doesn't make and any says, sense. Yes, but body, 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 right. blah, 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 blah. And that's the other half is oftentimes I've played games where I've picked a response that I didn't think was as positive or as negative as the game wanted it to be. Right. And then the response is like, oh, no, 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 no. I didn't want to say that. I never, I would never have said that. And yeah. you really can't take it back. And I had that. This is the one major problem I had with Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. Um, which was the same way. Which was exactly the same way. Um, is that it just sort of really takes you out of the role of the character um, that you're playing. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, that it does. It's, if you are playing the game as a sarcastic asshole. Yeah. It is a much different experience. Okay. Because then you're what you're doing is you're playing the game, trying to respond with the sarcastic quip as quickly as possible. Okay. So that your retort comes off like as off the cuff and quickly as you can, but also with that you don't know what the sarcastic quip is going to be. Right. So there's that little element of oh, what does he come up with to say to this? Right. Um. And I don't use sarcastic very often in my current playthrough because I'm like being super serious about I just I don't want the game to go down. Right. Um, I'll probably do that with my second playthrough. I'll yeah. probably just play it as a sarcastic, uh, one punch character. But mm-hmm. uh, there are some really good sarcastic responses. <laughs> yeah, I haven't explored too much either. To be honest, I'm playing the good guy, but. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I I really do. That actually, you mentioned I'm you're, I'm playing the good guy. That is one of my complaints. Is that you are is that with Fallout Four, there's really no way to play a truly evil character, right? Or honestly, a truly good character, right? From, from... Well, I, I I would say going full railroad. Yeah, going full railroad is probably as close to a good guy as you can possibly get. Let's so um, all right. Well, we we've, we've done it. So let's let's jump into the story then. Let's jump into the story. <laughs> so, so I one thing I really like is I like that the game starts off before the bombs. Yes. Because that's the first time we see that. Yeah. Have we ever Not, seen that in Fallout history? Uh, the closest we get is to the VR simulation in Fallout Three. Okay. But this is the. Fr- but that's not accurate because it's people stuck in a virtual reality simulation. Right. But this is the first time we've actually seen pre-war life. <laughs> like, like, fully fleshed out. Um, I, I really like that the game starts back there. Yeah. Um, and it does actually pay to, even if you're not playing that gender... But to design what your spouse looks like. Yes. Which is, it's odd to me that they, I think they're, in general, I think it's very vague what they do at the beginning. Because I can see a lot of people getting confused and designing their spouses and picking, accidentally picking the wrong gender and then having to go back and do it again. Or Mm -hmm. the opposite, which we just talked about, which is only designing their father and then not paying attention to the other gender. Right. And then ruining the awesome reveal, sort of, kind of. Well, not, I wouldn't say necessarily ruining it, but not making it as, as 
interesting or as fleshed out as it could be. Right. You might not even notice, you know? Right. Um, I certainly noticed. My character has white eyes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say the first time I met Father before I started talking to him, mm-hmm. I saved my game. Mm-hmm. Shot him in the head. Okay. Just before I even talked to him, just... Yep. Oh, you're the leader of the, of the Institute. Pop! Oh, that felt good. Now let me load my game again. Oh, shit. I'm glad I did not go forward <laughs> having done that. Because um, I was really tempting, like, tempted to be like, you know, I could just go through and murder everyone in here. Sure. I'm in full power armor. Yeah. I, I geared up for mm-hmm. a massive fight. Yep. I could literally go through here and murder every single person inside the Institute. Mm-hmm. Let's start with you. Pop. Probably shouldn't. Rewind. Yep. Um, so so let, let's start at the beginning. Let's start at the beginning. Um, game starts before the bombs fall. It's you, your spouse, your kid, your robotic butler. <laughs> Um, it's morning, sun is shining, birds are chirping, vault tech knocks on your door, like, hey, congratulations, you've been pre-selected to be in a vault because you're, because you were a soldier, or your husband was a soldier, which I found weird. Yeah. But they kind of had to do that, though, because the opening, uh, cinematic had a male narration. Yep. But it's kind of like, I, I kind of wanted it to be, like, have you pick your gender at the beginning? first right and then have the narration be one or the other i felt that would have been a good touch yep um but either way either way uh because you've been in the military your parents been in the military congratulations you've been pre-selected to be in vault 111 yep yay uh, and it's a good thing he comes to you so soon because not long after the bombs fall yep so you barely make it inside Vault 111, get your vault suit, and then get cryogenically frozen. <laughs> Surprise! That's what Vault 111 does. Yeah. Um, you are defrosted in time to see someone named Kellogg, who you eventually find is named Kellogg, uh, open up the pod with your spouse. Take your son and kill your spouse. Yep. And then you get promptly refrozen again until the system breaks down and you get spat out. Um. So the whole so the whole point is, I'm here to find my son. Yeah, it's a quest to find your son, and, and honestly, like, I don't know if it was intended to be this way, but everything just seems so obvious. Like throughout, mm-hmm. throughout. Well, I think it's because I think it's because now I'm conditioned to expect a big plot twist at the end well, of every so, game that So I wasn't expecting so from the time from the point you got refrozen after seeing uh after seeing that first scene with Kellogg. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. More time has passed than we have thought. Yep. That is like totally a given. Uh so then when you see your son as a ten year old yep. in Kellogg's memories. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, okay, that's the twist. 
that's going to be like the knife in the gut later is that your son has grown up and it's probably been grown up brainwashed by the Institute. Yep. Like that is going to be the knife in the gut, twisting the feels. Yep. You know, that was, that was my guess. Yeah. Going forward. My, my, my guess was that he was, yeah, go ahead. You can continue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, I'd get to the Institute and be like, I'm here to save you son. And he would reject me. Yep. Yeah. That's, that was my feeling. I'm like, okay, that's totally what's going to have happened. Which, which sort of, which sort of kind which of sort is of true. does happen, but it turns out it's a synth designed to fuck with you. But, um, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so you step out of the vault, and oh god, it's the wasteland. Mm-hmm. Howdy, wasteland. Um, you go back down into the into your ruined suburbs. And surprise, your robot butler is still there. Yep. Um, I I actually uh, I have not gotten maximum affinity with Codsworth. I've kept him there. Yep. Um, but I love that touch. Yep. I love that Codsworth is still there, waiting for you. Um, waiting for you like it's because it makes the transition not quite as jarring right you know that there's still something of your past here mm-hmm. um I, I felt that was a really nice thing to have because it also explains partly why you cope so well yep it's that you still have something of your past there um, plus finding yourself, which right. let's face it, you're gonna do. Yeah. So you go I've got three. I've got three new waifus, so that I'm okay on. <laughs> Sorry, honey. So I've got you got three mommies now. <laughs> so you go through the game, um, and you help all these all these different factions out. Yep. And I, I'll say so that on the way on the way to the institute, I I never really found myself attached to any one particular faction mm-hmm. um, over any of the others. I never found that they, I always felt that they always had, they were always hiding something or they didn't have everything I wanted. They didn't have everything to offer. Yep. Um, the, the Minutemen were kind of sad. <laughs> oh, you helped them get not to be quite so sad. You could. Um, I, I liked the Minutemen. I did. I went very, very strong on the Minutemen at the very beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, cause again, I'm playing, so basically my thought of playing through the game was, here's how I'm going to play the game. I'm going to be a good man, mm-hmm. a good man who is going to fucking war with the Institute because yep. they killed my wife and took my son Yep. and they will burn for that. Yep. Um, and so I, I admired the Minutemen. I admired what they were trying to do. Yep. And especially the fact that they are the driving force behind settlements. Of trying to make safe spaces in the wasteland. Yep. Um, I like to try. I like to my first playthrough for any Fallout game to be a playthrough guided by the idea of doing better. Yep. Have that be the guiding principle of my character for my first playthrough is do better. Yep. Improve the wasteland. Fix things. Mm-hmm. Try and make everyone's lives better. Uh, which I, which is actually especially pointed for this character, being that they are someone who 
is kind of naive in the wasteland because they haven't grown up with it. And not even someone who's grown up like in the shelter of a vault, but this is someone who is coming from from a time from from pre wasteland America. I, I like the idea of, of a character who is like who remembers how things were and how things should be. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. Getting getting kind of philosophical and uh talking ethics and morality in video game world but um you know like this this blast from the past who knows what it means to actually be a good person yep um that's one of the reasons i went really strong with the Minutemen, and one of the reasons i really went strong with the railroad right as for the brook yeah, oh, go ahead. I didn't do anything with the Brotherhood because I immediately ran into them at the police station and just found them to be annoying. <laughs> so, so I, so I played every Fallout game. Yep. So I've spent a lot of time with the Brotherhood. Yep. From a lot of different perspectives. Right. So I have seen them at like the Brotherhood and Fallout Three were totally the good guys. Yep. Like, totally the good guys. Mm-hmm. I've also seen the Brotherhood slaughter entire vaults just for the technology contained within the vault. Right. So I've seen them at their best, at their worst, as friends, as enemies, the whole way through. And the, I that's one of the reasons I actually really like the Brotherhood is because they are kind of a quintessential part of the wasteland, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Is it depends on who you get. Yep. They can either be this tremendous force for good or this tremendous enemy. How do they play in this game for you? So they are the Fallout, the Brotherhood. Uh, they are the Brotherhood from Fallout 3. Mm-hmm. And actually, when you talk to you talk to one of the, Fallout, the Brotherhood members, and they describe the experience of coming from the Capital Wasteland to the Commonwealth. Yep. And like, you know, under Lions, we, you know, we were idealistic. But on our way here, we passed over, because they're on the Pridwin, their airship. Yeah. We passed over city after city that was empty. Yeah. Settlements that had just been brutally slaughtered yep. by green, by super mutants. Yep. That they are the, to the Brotherhood in four. They're the Brotherhood from three, but who has been through some shit. Okay. And has become kind of jaded because of it. Yep. So the idealism is gone. Mm-hmm. And right now it's pre- it's re- been replaced with pragmatism yep. and zealotry. Mm-hmm. So they are much more ze- they are much more zealots than they were before. Yep. Especially when it comes to fighting off synths and super mutants and ghouls. Right. And to be fair, I agree with them on the super mutants and the ghouls side of things. Yep. I side more with the brother with the railroad on the issue of the synths. Or at least the synths who have personality. Yep. Um So right now I've pretty much helped the Miniman as much as I can. 
Because I'm sort of teetering between the Brotherhood and the Railroad. Yep. Like, I'm helping the Brotherhood because they have the technology and the means and the resources. Yep. To do what I want to do to the Institute. <laughs> but the brother, but the Railroad has the heart. Yep. And the sort of guiding, um, guiding compass there. Yeah, no, I agree. So, so while I'm helping the Brotherhood destroy the Institute... I'm also helping the railroad sneaks out since. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of tightrope walking this right now. Yep. Um, yeah, the railroad are definitely the most good guy out of all of them. Oh, yeah. Um, and I will also say that I'm that every single character of mine will pursue slavers with no remorse. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's kind of the cast, the light that the institute is cast in by the railroad. Yeah, is that the synths have no free will. Yeah, and you actually, and to be fair to the railroad, when you actually get to the institute, you see the synths are treated pretty terribly. Yeah. Um, especially when three of my friends, no, four of my friends are synths. Right. You know? Yep. Because uh, Nick's a synth. Yep. Uh, it's eventually revealed that Deacon is a synth. Yep. Uh, Curie gets a synth body mm-hmm. that you put her into. So that way so that, that way you're not trying to romance... A literal robot. A literal robot. Um, and Glory from the railroad is also a, th- mm-hmm. a synth. Um She's a fun character, especially when you start doing some of the joint missions with her. Yep. Um, so it's like four of my friends are synths here, guys. Oh, five. I'm sorry. Though he gets his memory wiped, so it doesn't really count. But still. Like, the synths I've met who haven't immediately tried to kill me have all been pretty good people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, when I met the Institute, I was kind of like, okay... When I started off, I was like, all right, maybe there's some redemption here for them. Like, you know, maybe if I go hard railroad, we can work with the Institute and make life better for everybody, including the Sins. Yeah. And then I found the FEV laboratory. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's how this is going. Right. I did, too. I found that my when I was going to get the... Um the serum, the for, serum for Virgil. And I think that's why he has you do it. I think so, too. Is not um, not so that you get him the serum and then he turns human so that you understand uh, what choice yeah. you're making. Yeah, as soon as I got in there, I'm like, oh, well, well, well. We've stripped away the facade and looky here. Here's the wasteland. Yep. Even down here. Right. Uh, and that was the point where I, I think I finally decided how I wanted the game to end. Right. Was as soon as I saw that and found that, I'm like, okay. Well, that makes my choice very easy now. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, that's the way. On the, on the plus side, Virgil might be able to make a cure for at least one strain of force evolutionary virus. Mm-hmm. That, that, I think, is a big step forward. Right. Um, yeah. Yep, that's how I feel too. Um, I'm right at that point where it's 
you know, helping the railroad seems like the right choice for, for being a good guy. None of the other, I mean, the Brotherhood just, you know, they're old jaded and the, the Institute is a little too, um, evil, evil, but I will say one thing I did want to note that I, I really appreciated about, about the game as a whole was that's really your ending moment. Like it's not the end of the game quote, technically when you discover mm-hmm. the Institute, though it feels like it is. Um, but I think it was brilliant. Not so much. I mean, I saw the plot twist coming. I, I understood Kellogg was a synth because he had the implants in his brain. Well, he's not a synth. He's a cyborg. Oh, okay. He's a so, cyborg. Um, I understood that, that that would mean that he could be at any age. So the, right. the plot twist that your son wasn't a little kid didn't really phase me. And I just had a feeling that he was going to be the leader of the Institute. So that particular piece of it didn't didn't surprise me. But what did surprise me was the way, the way in which you encounter the Institute in the first place. The fact that here I go down this into this teleportation system and then down mm-hmm. this elevator expecting like a giant gunfight to rage out between me and a bunch of synths. And it's really just an open invitation to the Institute. Yep. That I thought was really cool. That is cool. Um, okay. So, all right. Let's, let's stop being around the bush. The big twist is that father, the leader of the Institute, is actually your son. Yeah. And that you've been in cryo for about another 60 years. Right. After you, as opposed to the 10 you thought. Right. Um, Now that's out of the way. And because my my character was so odd looking, like I knew immediately when I saw the person walk through the door that it was my, (laughs) that it was my son because he had literal white eyes and a. Yeah. My, my character was fairly normal looking. Yeah. Um, I, I started suspecting once it's revealed that the, 10 year old Sean you've been chasing as a sit yeah that was like that's like oh okay yeah oh something big is coming yep yep there it is um right but I also agree with you that I think they did a good job of they did to me they did a good job of trying to convince you that the institute is a good place when you get down there Mm-hmm. Because it is a whole different viewpoint. Everything is nice, and they make a lot of oh, good points. They may, they do make some good points, but as soon as I got in there and saw how clean and sterile the environment was, I was like, okay, yeah, all right. Where's the rust? Right, and and that's exactly that's exactly yeah. what you find. Um, yeah, because I, I played these games enough. I don't see the wasteland necessarily as a place. Mm-hmm. I see it as a force. Right. The wasteland is in everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, Tris, the uh, Star Wars uh, podcast is next next time. <laughs> well, that 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 the wasteland is this is this decaying, corrupting, yeah, just just dark thing. Not not a place, not not a location, not the world, but just this thing that gets into everything. And I, as soon as I saw how clean his hair, I was like, okay, where's the wasteland? Yeah. Where's the wasteland in this? Yeah. And I found it. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. And that's what pushed me towards the uh, railroad because they're trying to, you know, push equality. And they actually have a sort of a meaningful purpose on, on in this area of the wasteland. Also, mm-hmm. the fact that I was getting shot at by sense, the entire game didn't help. <laughs> yep. My other big question is... So he's grown up. He's spent like sixty years, and he's become leader of the institute. Um, 
why doesn't he come get you? Um, like he knows where you are. Well, the institute has references of Vault One Eleven. That's how they found Sean in the first place. I think the argument made throughout the, I think the argument made throughout the game, and this might just be me speculating, but I think the argument made throughout the game is that the you don't find the institute, the institute finds you, and I think that. He, right. So why didn't they find me? Because I I don't. Th- I'm still. I've been stuck in a stasis tank for sixty years. He couldn't drop by and say hi? I don't know that he knows. He's too busy with his institute they... work to come and say hi to his dad. <laughs> yeah, but did he they tell him? call up on the holidays. <laughs> but did they tell him? He knows. He does? He, he tells you that, you know, they oh, found right. me through their records right. of Vault 111. Right. Like, and he's the leader of the institute. Right. He would have that information. Maybe he was waiting for you to get unfrozen to make that call. Because technically it's that's... Like, Technically, that's what he's doing. Is he's he's leading you to him. That's like if you really wanted to get me on your side, mm-hmm. like, like why not be the one to wake me up? Right. Be like, whoa, okay, Dad, relax. It's me, Sean. I know for you this was like just a second ago. You got bear with me here. Right. You know, before he's like an old man, even. Yeah, perhaps, but I, I don't know. Wait, that is uh, what you're too you're too busy making synthetic people to give your dad a call. That's a good point, I suppose. Like, I mean, I I suppose the the argument could be made that the whole reason they went to him in the first place was he was not damaged by radiation, right? So his genetic search was okay, and that you know they want to preserve that. But first of all, they had to get him to the institute somehow, anyways. Mm-hmm. So he's at least exposed to some on the way. Right. And say, well, by some point, they've got enough of his DNA on file or enough of his genetic information that they can just start using it. Yep. So obviously at that point, there's no longer a reason for him to be kept completely away from radiation. Right. So I'm just like, why, if you were serious about this, why didn't you come find me? Why have me go through all this shit? Right. You know, finding Kellogg, hunting down Kellogg, finding him. You know, why take the chance of some you know, of me getting eaten by some Yaogwai <laughs> 15 minutes after coming out of the vault? Yeah, I don't know. Or even just having having a courser there waiting for me. Right. Also, why, why do, um, why do they say that you're the replacement for the child at the beginning of the game? Because, like hit, like Sean, you are not damaged by radiation. Because you're in the cryo chamber. Yes. Oh, okay. That's why you're the replacement. Though I will say, if you play the game as a female, that that phrase takes on a much more sinister tone. Yeah. Right. Like. Whoa, jeez. Yeah, that's that's it's much creepier that line if you play as a female character. Right. What if we did? Um Right. Um so here's how I want the game to end. Is I so I'm definitely going to do the I'm definitely gonna go the route of destroying the institute now that I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it came down to do I wanna back the 
the railroad for this, or do I want to back the Brotherhood? Yep. The railroad say, you know what? So railroad probably the good guys here, but I've already gotten pretty much everything from them. Yep. And I've gotten to max affinity with their mm-hmm. uh, companion yep. of mine. I've not done that with the Brotherhood. And the Brotherhood has Liberty Prime. Right. I I want to have a giant robot on my side for this ending. Because that's awesome. Why would anybody side with the, um, the Minutemen at the end of all of this? So I think the Minutemen are probably the most sane choice, so to speak. Because they're, they're trying to do good, but they're not as, I think, blindly naive, so to speak, as the railroad. Right. You know, the railroad is kind of like, like the, you know, they're the freedom fighters. They're fighting for the cause. They're, you know, fighting for their ideals. Sure. And in the wasteland, that gets you killed fast. Mm-hmm. Which is why they're not doing very well. Right. Because um, that's the other thing, is that the railroad probably has the least resources. Yeah, it just seems like a ragtag group of people. Yeah. Right. Like, the ones you meet in Railroad HQ are pretty much all that's left. Right. With with a few exceptions. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, I think there's, there's one other safe house you work with in Randolph. Uh, and there are a few agents scattered around here and there. Yep. But for the most part, that's it. Right. Because by the time you reach them, they've suffered a crippling, crippling loss of their previous headquarters. Right. Right. Due to the Institute. Right. So it comes down to you've got the most idealistic option, but with the fewest resources in the railroad. You've got the least idealistic, well least good guy solution in terms of the brotherhood but then you've got the Minutemen kind of right smack in the middle right also you've been with the Minutemen the longest out of any of them true right from the beginning yeah right from the beginning uh and Preston is a good guy like when you talk with with Preston like Preston is one of those characters who is a he's a good person like, and that's why I I put him in the general's outfit that you can find in the castle. Because mm-hmm. my stance has always been, like, if I'm playing this out in my head, it's however this goes down, I'm leaving Preston in charge. Yep. When I'm done. Yep. Of, of the minute. When I'm done with the minute, man, I'm leaving Preston in charge. Because he is definitely the person who should be in charge. Right. Um... Yeah, but Liberty Prime kind of cinches it. <laughs> um, if if Fallout Four was an anime, oh lord, it would have to have this moment where I'm facing down Father. I was like, Are, "Do you really mean to stand against us? We have armies of synths and advanced technology. What hope do you stand? What chance do you stand of winning? What hope do you have?" Which I play. You may have an army of synths, but they're all slaves. There's one thing you will never have, and that's liberty. 
<laughs> Liberty Prime! <laughs> Liberty Prime drops in. Freedom is the birthright of every American. <laughs> and then just combat. That would be pretty cool. Um, so that because I'm playing this based on mainly my head cannon. <laughs> nice, that's awesome, and I think that's what's so great about the Fallout series in general. To kind of wrap this up is that it just Fallout Four is, I would say, a more simplified. It has there. There's more to do, I think, than in Fallout Three and in Fallout there's Four. A lot to do, but it's a more simplified system surrounding it and a more mm-hmm. open-ended story. Oh, by the way, an ending that doesn't end. Quote unquote. Yeah. Um, then Fallout Three with that very definitive ending prior to the DLC, um, so much more right. open ended experience um, with a lot to do, but with a simplified system. So, um, kind of going the way like the Skyrim series, or I'm sorry, the Skyrim series, the Elder Scrolls series is going by making things more simple, more accessible, which is a, probably a bad word to a lot of folks who grew up playing Fallout and Elder Scrolls, but to people like myself is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And a really cool story, which has some kind of like meh, kind of campy, like all right, M Night Shyamalan sort of plot twists, but but ultimately like has a cool story and makes you think and right. Well, but they also needed they needed to have a reason, like yeah, without that, right? Why would you ever choose to side with the institution? Right, right. You know, mm-hmm. like without that twist, there would never be like any reason to ever side with them. Right. True. Cool. Oh. Um, also, have you found, uh, have you gone into Sean's, uh, terminal? Yes. In the Institute? Have you read everything in there? Uh, I'm not sure why. Uh, there's a shutdown you, button, right? There's like an instant shutdown button. There's a shutdown button, but you need the code for it. Uh, but most importantly, there's a, another reveal, which is that the mayor of Diamond City mm-hmm. is a synth infiltrator. Oh, really? The mayor of Diamond City is a synth. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, or I, or I, I run like, right through it, yeah. I was just like, what? Because because Piper puts out a, a, one of the papers she puts out. It's like, how do we know Ma- Mayor McDonough isn't a synth trying to, you know, trying to lead us to ruin by doing this? Yep. I'm just like, Piper? Yeah. Hey, Piper, honey? <laughs> First waifu, um, you know that little theory you had about the mayor? <laughs> you may want to read this. <laughs> um, I'm actually, at some point, I'm going to go back to Diamond City and f- go to his office and see if there's, like, dialogue options right. for that <laughs> now that I know. Nice. Um Probably not. I'm but. not. Probably not. But I, I'm really hoping there are. <laughs> That'd be great. All right. Uh, I don't have anything else to cover on this guy. I don't know if you have anything else. Uh, we're almost two hours into this. Yeah. And I have to get to work early tomorrow. Yes. So we should probably wrap this. And up. that's fine. I mean, I think we talked about all the stuff that we won't really want to spoil. I mean, music's good. Store, you know. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, we could talk about this game yeah. for. Ever. We could, yep. Because there is so much to talk about. Agreed. Hell, I haven't even I haven't even mentioned all the My Little Pony references. Yeah, well, that'll be you. Can, you can uh, you can write an article <laughs> I can about do an that article one. On that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. 
Yeah, not as many references as Fallout 2, but uh, they're there. <laughs> there, are, there are some references scattered all over the place, if you look, know where to look. Nice. All right. Uh, all righty, let's wrap this up. All right, guys, If you, what did you guys pick for your ending? Do you have any questions or any comments you want to leave? Please visit us on our website at threeheadedboy.com. We'll have this spoiler cast posted in the comment section below. Um, yep. Who's your favorite Fallout 4 waifu? Or Husbando, if you chose to go that way. What's your favorite side quest? Comment on the site at threeheadedboy.com. Until next time, this is Dan Zarzicki. And Tristan House. Thanking you for listening. Take care. Rocket 69. Rocket 69. Rocket 69. With a sweet man like you, we could have such a wonderful time. Rocket 69. Rocket 69. You left the whole time five a while ago. Rocket 69, Rocket 69. Well, you left the whole tide five a while ago, went to my spin. Rocket 69, Rocket 69. You love the new world, I'm gonna take you in. Rocket 69, Rocket 69. We'll take our first star and the moon is not too far. Rocket 69, Rocket 69. Well, we'll take our first star and the moon is not too far. Rocket 69, Rocket 69. We'll ride and glide and be so satisfied. Rocket 69, Rocket 69. Stand by, stand by. The rocket is ready to fly. Trip.